Shall we begin? Second hand hug. <laughs> Second hand hug. One, two, three. Hey, howdy and hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your second-hand hi-ho, Sweeney. So, this is going to be a new experience for me. I've never recorded a podcast before. I'm assuming that's how it is for most people who start their first podcast. So, I think it could be asked, because there are so many podcasts already out there, why are you starting one? Why do we need one more podcast out there? And to that question, which isn't the first time I've had that of, why you? My answer is always going to be, why not me? If it has to be somebody, why not me? Essentially, everyone has a voice and a story to share. And the reason I am how I am and why I do what I do is intricately tied up in other people's stories. And so I like to hear about those and I like to share them. So the history of this podcast, which really there isn't one, but why I started the podcast was uh, when I lived in my last apartment before we moved into our home, uh, I was walking my, I wasn't walking my husband, I was walking around our apartment building with my husband and we were walking our dog and I had just smelled a huge wave of marijuana smoke and it was just overpowering. And I was like, you know, I wonder if you can get a secondhand high. And he was like, I think so, but I don't know. And then that just kind of triggered my memory because of my love of titles. Like, I like that title, secondhand high. I wonder if I could put it to go with anything like that has a theme and a story. And so here we are. Oh, and I do have some news. Uh, I guess from the uh, National Institute on Drug Abuse, part of the National Institute of Health, it says that people are often curious if there are psychoactive effects of exposure to secondhand marijuana smoke. And so the short answer is yes. The slightly longer answer is that when researchers measured the amount of THC in the blood of people um, who don't typically smoke marijuana and had spent three hours in an area that was um, very well... um, ventilated, they found that there was THC present in the blood, but not enough that if someone had to take a drug test that they would fail it. It was well below the, the, that level. However, in unventilated areas um, and hanging out around people who are getting high, it turns out that um, you, the urine test would show positive signs for THC um, when in confined spaces. And they even experienced what's called a contact high, which means they displayed mild impairments um, and were slower on motor tasks and things like that. So the more you know. Anyway, uh, I wanted to share a little bit about what this podcast is. In essence, I realize there's so many stories people can listen to, but I like listening to the ones that are kind of chain events wherein somebody does something and then it affects someone else the butterfly effect if you will but with a positive spin so for me 
I like hearing about the good that is done in the world through others. And I realized when I was coming, trying to come up with these stories, it was taking me forever. I couldn't think of them personally. I was like, we're all so wired to think about the good things that are done to us or the bad. But oftentimes, do we really remember the good things that other people did for other people? Do they resonate with us the same way? And the answer that I'm coming up with is maybe not as much because some of the people I've asked to be on this show who will be uh, following in my footsteps were they had trouble thinking of them themselves. They're like, I'll have to get back to you on that. And I had to get back to me on that because it took me like a solid week to think of the examples that I wanted to share. So I came up with three of them because I was like, well, who better to lead the charge and telling what I'm looking for than me, myself and me. Anyway, um, so th- yes, that is the purpose of this podcast is to highlight any times where you've got a quote unquote high second hand from seeing someone or hearing about someone doing something good for someone else. And it either inspired you to do something good and kind of carry on that pay it forward mentality Or it maybe just left you with a good feeling that stuck with you for a long time afterwards. So I'll be doing examples of both. My first one has to do with who else? My mom. So she used, when she and my dad lived in California, he would sometimes have to go on business trips to do like um, continued educational learning for his uh, technology job because Surprise, technology, it changes and evolves. So he had to change and evolve with it. But um, when he would go and open up his suitcase in one of his San Francisco hotel rooms, there wasn't just clothes in there. It was oftentimes packed with goodies my mom would sneak in there. There would be photos of the family. There would be little love notes that she would send to him about how she missed him. And there would be little treats, some of his favorite Uh, stuff. I doubt she snuck in Vienna sausages. He likes those a lot, but that's disgusting. So I doubt she she rolled those in there with his socks, but like just different candy bars and things that he would like. Um, And I always thought that was really cute. And I just thought that was something that you do when you're in a couple. And so uh, when I first started a relationship with my husband, we um, kind of got into the habit of having month anniversaries because we figured any month we spent together and we're still together was a cause of celebration. Why wait a year? And so, (laughs) to which it's funny since she inspired it, but my mom will go, are you still doing that? Yes, mom, we're still doing it. Um, Crap, now I need to know how many months we've been doing it for. It's a lot. We've been together almost seven years come September and it is June 30th of 2021. So there you have it. Anyway, so some of the favorite things that I've given to him, I've made him both donut-shaped and baseball-shaped cake pops because he's really um, big on baseball. Go Giants. I gave him a, if any of you are SpongeBob fans, a magic conch shell that when you pull on it, the string retracts. It's like a little plastic purple shell, and then it gives, it'll like answer your questions, kind of like a magic eight ball. Uh, And so much snackage my mine and his love language are food so we're constantly getting each other funyuns and candies and little treats like that that make our day and 
I can't say we wouldn't be together if we hadn't done that. I mean, probably would, maybe. I don't know. But I do know that as a result, it's really strengthened and improved uh, my relationship. So thanks, Mom. Uh, it was good to see her doing something for her spouse that then bled into my... Ooh, that sounds creepy. That continued into my relationship. There we go. Um, example number two, Bruce Halpern. So... Um, I want to say COVID, I feel like, has screwed up my timeline mentality, but I um, volunteered, I started volunteering about four, four and a half years ago with a nonprofit organization called Sun Sounds of Arizona. And the whole point of this nonprofit is to help people um, who have disabilities or aren't able to read due to vision impairments or an inability to hold a book or whatever the reason. It's to help them be able to still have access to the news, to shopping ads, to um, even trashy tabloids, <laughs> like anything that could be read pretty much. Um, there was a category for it over at Sun Sounds. So I would sometimes sub for people in reading different categories. So yes, I did the tabloids, but my main uh, focus was me and a partner would read from the Arizona Republic pretty much more or less the entire paper as much as we could in a two-hour period. So that was getting up at 5.30 in the morning, bright and early. <laughs> and then, like, kind of, you could either rip the paper, um, like, rip the newspaper, or you could, we did it digitally, um, and then put it on the screens in the recording room, which was so much easier because I never got good at ripping the paper. It involved... Um, using a ruler and lines and tear and actual newspapers and it, it stressed me out. Um, but back to Bruce, Bruce was kind of a he was a huge buff in the theater. He had done a lot of different kinds of theater and and acting in New York City, and then he moved out to Arizona and continued the tradition. So he was kind of a legend in his own right in that way. Um, and it's to him I owe, I owe being here today, even doing any recording, because he taught me how to use the recording equipment at Sun Sounds in, of Arizona uh, on my very first day. He, and then I remember being in the recording booth, and he's like, get out of here. And then he went in there after he taught me how to use everything, and he screwed it all up. And he's like, the only way you can learn was if you kind of do it yourself, hands-on. And I was like, all right, I can respect that. And so I did it, and that definitely helped it stay in my memory better. But that's not the actual story I'm telling, because that affects me directly. What I was impressed with is, even when I thought I was there early, he was always there earlier somehow. I don't know how he got there so darn early, because I only lived like 10 minutes away from the university where the recording studio for Sun Sounds is. But, um, you know, on top of, I'm sure, being tired, and I was the youngest person there. Everyone there was twice my age who volunteered. So, um, he, yeah, he was getting up way earlier than me. And he'd always ask me about my life and my interests. We really liked talking about theater because I love and I'm obsessed with theater. It was my minor in college. Um, so I think the thing that impressed me so much is I saw him come in earlier than me and then stay at all hours of the day. So after our recording program ended around 8 a.m., he was still staying there to help record other programs for other people. And I just couldn't help but feel inspired that someone would give 
like hours and hours and hours of their day. Like he had other interests and other friends and things, but he was just, you know, very dedicated to making sure that um, people were able to receive the, the recordings to the programs they were interested in and that they needed to keep themselves informed. And so I think, um, I, I think, I know I still owe a debt of gratitude to Bruce for his example. And unfortunately, at the very start of the pandemic madness around sometime in January, 2020, um, I found out that the Saturday before, I think that I had talked to him, um, I had talked to him for the last time when I went in to record because the next day, like, I, so I record on Saturdays, I think he passed away the next day, either later in the evening or earlier in the morning, um, which was incredibly sad and kind of left me a little shocked and, and just feeling a little bit surprised by the loss. Like, you don't think, even though he was older, you just don't think of people being gone. And so... Here's my little tribute and remembrance of Bruce and his legacy. Last but not least, my third story deals with my seventh grade science teacher. Now, I don't remember her name, which I'm kind of sad about because I remember a lot of my teacher's names, um, starting from like the first through sixth grade. And maybe it's just because you get more teachers in uh junior high, but I just don't remember her name very well. Um, but I definitely remember her. She was loud and she was opinionated and just, um, a really fun person and a lesbian and her lessons were just the best. Like she made everything from dissecting rats and cow eyeballs interesting. Uh, she even had us debate each other over abortion and it was fantastic. Like a bunch of seventh graders debating abortion when we know Jack diddly about the world. Awesome. <laughs> so it's, she just really in inspired me and I thought she was fascinating. And I think some of the best teachers are the ones who can kind of um, reach across the educational spectrum. Like they may be teaching you science, but they're teaching you other stuff too. Um, shout out to another teacher of mine who was also seventh grade. I think her name started with an O. Um, and she, uh, even though she taught math, she had an entire huge library in her classroom of books that I would always be borrowing. So even though I didn't do great in her math class, it wasn't my thing, apparently, um, she and I had a really great a bond over reading. So it was nice to like a math teacher in spite of the fact that I didn't like the class or at least the subject matter. Anyway, I am a very tangenty person, which you will probably uh, know if you know me at all, but now you know if you didn't. Um, so back to my seventh grade science teacher. So she was awesome, really liked her, really enjoyed her class. First period of the day, just a great way to start off my, um, my junior high days. So my best friend in seventh grade was named Hannah. And Hannah, in our seventh grade year, was writing a screenplay. And um, I also like writing a lot. And so I was reading her screenplay. You know, she was kind of sharing it with teachers because, you know, when you're, when you're creating something, you like to kind of share it around and see what people think and um, see if you're headed in the right direction. Anyway, she showed it to our science teacher. And our science teacher was so proud of her and just, 
you know, she bragged about her to the whole class. Like, it wasn't something she was, you know, just going to save <laughs> between um, my friend and herself. She was going to let the whole damn class know. And because she was so proud, she took a an entire ream of her own personal printing paper and gave it to Hannah uh, to inspire her to keep going with her work, to let someone know that they believed in her and to, you know, help her finish her project, which she did. And at the time, I was so friggin' jealous. Like, <laughs> that's me in a nutshell. Um, at the time, like, I will readily admit of my many flaws, jealousy can be one of them. And I just remember being like, well, that's not fair. Like, what if I want to write a screenplay? <laughs> Where's my paper? Mind you, I hadn't written one, but what if I'd wanted to? Anyway, it was silly, but the thing of the matter is, um, I can't say I have overcome all my flaws, but what I can say is that now I can look at that experience in a different light, and I'm really happy my teacher did that because, A, it taught me it's not all about me. Sometimes it's okay for someone else who's doing something in that moment to be celebrated and applauded and supported, and she was, and that was great. And it also showed me that the importance of having teachers who do those things and really believe in their students, because um, I felt inspired as a result. It made it pushed me to think, well, what do I want to do? What can I write? What can I accomplish? How can I be better? It pushed me to want to be maybe more ambitious or more interesting or do something where someone could be proud of me, too. And I think there's something really great about that. So thank you, uh, teacher who will not be named, much like Lord Voldemort, but for very different reasons. Mostly because lapses in my aging memory. <laughs> but um, just hats off, huge hats off to my mom, uh, Bruce Halperin, and my unnamed 7th grade teacher for just being good examples of good people who do good things and inspire without necessarily intending to inspire. And I think we need to remember more of those instances, not just because, um, you know, people deserve attention in a society, in a culture where, you know, I think my friend who I was at, one of my friends who I was asking to do this podcast, she was like, you know, as usual, like everyone, I'm having trouble thinking, I'll have to get back to you later with some of those like secondhand high experiences. But I do know what I don't want to see or what I don't want to do is, you know, those people who you see on um, recording videos of themselves on social media and they're going up to a homeless person and they're sticking $100 in their coat pocket and then recording it to see what their reaction is. Like, that's not, you know, I don't think that's what good deeds are about. They're not about getting attention or recognition for yourself. Um, it's just about doing good because that's humanism. That's us doing our best to be good just for the sake of being good. Um, the world just feels more and more and more like it's becoming divided. Everyone has a nasty thing to say to each other. There's so much vitriol online and in the chats uh, with people responding to each other. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's not the default mode. That's not, it's not written anywhere that that's how we have to be. And so I'm looking for us to be better. I'm looking for us to be able to lift, inspire, and remember. Remember the things 
that are good about ourselves, but all over humanity as well, because it's easy to dwell on the bad when there's so much of it. We've seen that all during COVID-19. We've experienced it firsthand in a lot of cases, and we've probably seen it elsewhere. It can make things feel dark and unpleasant and terrifying and all sorts of other adjectives. But at the end of the day, it's good to know that there is still good, and that's the good that makes things worth continuing for and fighting for. And that's the end of my speech. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my swing talk. Anyway, thank you for joining me for my first podcast. This was way more fun than I had anticipated it being. And I think it's going to be a lot more fun when I'm not just the lone voice on this microphone. I'm excited to hear other people's stories, what made them them. And who knows, maybe I'll pop in sharing stuff that I see and notice from time to time still as well. But really, I want to hear from you now. Do you have a story that gave you a contact high? I want to hear about them. You can contact me on the Secondhand High Facebook page, or you can email me at secondhandhigh.omy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Be well, do good. Oh, yeah.